Welcome to the Pharma Forum podcast. My name is Dominic Tyre, and I'm Pharma Forum's creative and editorial director. For this installment, I spoke to Amit Nastik, who's the global head of strategy and operations and local markets manufacturing at Novartis Technical Operations. He discussed how his company avoided disruption to its drug supply chain during COVID's acute phase. He also looked at the transformation of Novartis Technical Operations, the company's manufacturing division, and how he hopes the application of data, digital, and automation could further improve it. You can find more details of this episode, including a download link for the podcast, and information about other installments in the series at pharmaforum.com forward slash podcast. The Pharma Forum podcast is also available on iTunes, Spotify, Acast, Stitcher, and Podbean, where you can find and subscribe to it by searching for Pharma Forum. Amit, welcome to the Pharma Forum podcast. I wonder if we could start off with, if you just tell the listeners a bit about yourself in terms of your current role and what your, your remit is within Novartis. Hi, Dominic. Thanks for having me. Really great to be on your podcast. And for the listeners, I'm Amit. I've been with Novartis for quite some years now and had the pleasure to work across pharma, consumer health and medical devices in different areas, run and selling products to our customers. And today I'm part of the manufacturing and supply chain leadership team of Novartis. As part of my responsibilities, I'm overseeing a multidimensional transformation of our organization leading our two global operation centers in Slovenia and in India, and also responsible for 10 of our manufacturing sites, mainly in Asia, Russia, Middle East, and South America. So looking forward to the conversation. Excellent. Thanks. Thanks, Amit. So I, I wanted to start off with, uh, we're recording this at uh, the end end of June uh, 2021, with the, the COVID vaccines are rolling out. Um, Hopefully, we're starting to see across across Europe um, a re- relaxation of some of the the restrictions. So it seems a good time to look back on the the impact of certainly that acute phase of the COVID nineteen uh, pandemic. And just ask you to begin with your um, tell us a bit about how you saw the impact of COVID on the supply chain. Yeah, so COVID had impact on various parts of the organization, clinical trials marketing and sales organization, but as you say, mainly also on the supply chain. So maybe just to give a little bit of the dimension, with our manufacturing and supply chain organization, we produce 70 billion doses of medicines every year and supply them to more than 800 million patients around the globe. And throughout the pandemic, we have been able to keep our operations going. So last year, we also produced 70 billion doses of medicines, and we are on track to do the same this year. But clearly, as you said, the circumstances were very special, and we also had to put a lot of special measures in place. And if I look back and look at what are the key topics or key themes that emerged, I would really say three main topics. The first one is to be proactive. So end of 19, beginning of 2020, when our first sites in China got hit by COVID, we we were alert. And then immediately when the first sites and countries were hit in Europe, we built that task force. First with three members, very quickly with 50 members from different functions, supply chain, procurement, logistics, business continuity, IT, and many other functions. And we had one goal, which was like no surprises. So we built a tracking, 
system that allowed us to always know where we are, where the threat is coming from, and where we stand. So being proactive is definitely something that helped us a lot. And the second big theme is to act decisively. Because we were all faced with a new situation, all the business continuity plans we had in place didn't really cover what we saw, because usually you think about one side being impacted or one border being closed. But what we faced last year mainly was all the countries, all the sites being impacted, all the borders being impacted, all the transportation modes being impacted. So clearly there was no time for debates. We had to act very, very quickly. So for example, when President Trump announced no more flights getting into the US, we had to very, very quickly switch our transportation mode from commercial flights to cargo flights or to, to ships. So clearly there was no time for debates. Same when it comes to material, protection material, we had to act very, very quickly. And then the third one, and which is probably the most important one, is to demonstrate empathy. Last year, we saw that despite facing a life-threatening situation, all our associates kept coming to work to make sure we can keep producing and supplying our products to our patients in need. And we really saw colleagues taking care of each other. When schools closed and kindergartens closed, Associates were taking care of each other's kids to make sure we can keep shift model in place and with that also the production in place. And throughout the organization, there was one common mission, which was to be unstoppable for our patients. And I just want to take the opportunity here as well to thank all associates in manufacturing and supply chain, not only in our company, not only in our industry, but really everywhere. I want to thank them for doing what they have been doing. So overall, a challenging situation. But I think by being proactive, act decisively, and showing the empathy, we have been able to keep our operations going as we usually do. Mm-hmm. So you, you mentioned that it was uh, operations were still still kept going. You're able to still um, produce the 70 billion doses of, of medicines. Uh, all in all, did did you see any disruption to the supply chain? No disruption at the patient end. So obviously, we have stock levels that also allow us to buffer a little bit. Mm. If we have a delay in, in one material or a little bit of delay in, in one site, but overall, having the operations going, having the right level of stocks and inventory allowed us actually to have operations that didn't impact the patients. So given that um, there's no disruption to the, the patient side, how, how, how did you manage that? Um, with, with all of this, it was such a such a fast moving situation. So so much um, was and maybe continues to be un- unknown. How did you manage to ensure that there would be an, an uninterrupted um, supply of medicine during that time? I think when we were faced with a situation, that wasn't the goal. I think the goal was really not to have any surprises. That's what I also told the team. Look, at some point we will hit the wall, but at least let us know when we do it. Then we get there so we know how to react. But with the, with the tracking and the measures we put in place, we had just more visibility than we ever anticipated. And then again, as I said, with the mission to be unstoppable, I think everyone just went the extra mile. Could not have been possible without the commitment of all our people, everyone going the extra mile to make sure we really produce and supply the products for our patients. And of course, some luck comes with it, but I wouldn't say that was the the elements that made it, mm. um, made the difference. 
And so you, you mentioned that the, the about the task force that was put in place, uh, beginning with, with three people rapidly, by the sounds of things, scaling up to around 50 or so, so people. Is that task force still in place or has it has its role been um, integrated into um, normal operations? So the structure is still in place. It is not that we have 50 people working day in, day out mm. on the situation, but all the learnings that we had, especially in 2020, they are still in place. Um, again, it's not over, as you also mentioned. That's probably my biggest worry. If it comes back to an extent where it maybe reaches the levels that we saw last year, I personally believe it will be more challenging than it was in 2020. Just people are also tired, motivation, as I said, to, to beat the common common enemy, which is COVID, might not be the same one that we saw last year around the globe. Mm-hmm. And that's why we also made sure we keep the reporting in place, we keep the structure of the task force in place in case we need to reactivate it. And so it would be, from, from what you were saying, do you think it would be maybe harder to keep people motivated on, on an individual level? Would it still be would it be uh, harder or, or easier in in terms of Novartis' approach? Um, should there be another wave of the pan- another significant wave of the pandemic, or should it come um, COVID return with a vengeance uh, to, in in the winter season? My guess is it would level out. On one hand, as you said, maybe a little bit less motivation on the individual level, but with all the learnings we have from last year and also the learnings that we actually, or actions we put in place based on the learnings, I'm actually very confident that we are now ready for anything that can come in the future. And in the learnings I mentioned, be proactive, act decisively, demonstrate empathy. I think that's on a higher level, but then real learnings are also that we can't take availability of workforce as granted. Mm-hmm. So we need to have backups with automation, um, more technology that we need to um, put in place. We have to reduce as an industry dependency on single locations. I think the diversity of a network being global has its benefits. So clearly a learning as well from the, from the last year. Increased supplier integration, and that's super important because today many companies in pharma work in isolation from the suppliers. We don't have common systems. So clearly we need to integrate more to know better where our goods are. And then as I mentioned, inventory and stock levels before having adequate in-country stock levels uh, for essential medicine is another learning um, that we all have. So I think on the individual level, maybe a little bit less motivation moving forward, learnings put in place, the ones I mentioned, and maybe some others, make me confident that we can also handle situations in the future uh, similar to what we saw last year. Mm-hmm. And in, in terms of the um, the impact of, of COVID. I just wonder, did you see um, any impact in terms of Novartis, Novartis's uh, ability to run clinical trials? So clinical trials in general are at the heart of our work to bring innovative medicine to people. And keeping trials going when so much of the world was in lockdown or still is in lockdown and with healthcare facilities under pressure to treat people with COVID was and is challenging. But one of the ways we as Novartis were able to make sure clinical trials kept moving is by using our Sense Operation Center in Basel, which is essentially a state-of-the-art control tower from which Novartis teams can view remotely live data for more than 500 trials 
in over 70 countries and can track progress, interruptions, and proactively find solutions. And the creativity in combination with the technology has helped Novartis to navigate through this difficult period and maintain the continuity of our trials. So very similar to supply chain, it has not been easy, but the combination of technology, people's willingness to keep going, and also some creativity helped us to also keep the clinical trials going as smooth as possible. Mm -hmm. So alongside um, the COVID pandemic, one of the other major changes, certainly within in Europe, was uh, the nature of uh, the UK's relationship with the European Union, its exit from that that block. Um, Do you have any early indications of uh, Brexit's impact on uh, medicine, medicine supply? Our main goal is always to have a reliable supply for our patients. And when it's about Brexit, I think the good thing was we had almost four years time to prepare to avoid any short-term negative impacts. And the preparation work included the reorganization of release and supply routes, and also changing the packaging of hundreds of products. So in the short term or for the short term, we did well, no major interruptions. The consequences for the long term, I think they still remain unclear for the whole industry. Mm. So I'd, I'd like also to talk uh, a little bit around um, uh, what uh, what uh, Novartis's uh, technical operations um, division and arm lo- lo- looks like at the moment. Of course, that's with, with your focus on manufacturing and supply chain that uh, I think is, is summed up within the Novartis technical operations um, area part of the, the company. Could you talk a bit about how that's how you're looking to transform um, Novartis technical operations? So as a company, our goal is to be the leading medicines company powered by advanced technology platforms. And the role of technical operations, which is the manufacturing and supply organization for the company, the role we have in that goal for the company is a major one. Because on one hand, we have to make sure that the new products, which are mainly in the personalized medicine space, gene therapy, cell therapy, we have to make sure that those products are available. So we need to produce them at the right quantity, right quality, right time, but also at the right cost. This means establishing new technologies, expanding capacity and capabilities. On the other hand, we have to look at the more traditional products, which we call small molecules or more known as tablets, We produce them in a much more effective way than we did in the past. So this also means consolidating the overcapacity that we have today in our network. On one hand, it is about building additional capacity, new capacity, new capabilities. And on the other hand, it is consolidating overcapacity. So all in all, this changes obviously the manufacturing and supply chain footprint that we have in the organization. So that's one, one element of the transformation. Another one is that we face fierce competition, which requires us to be more efficient and effective in everything we do. The competition is coming from different directions, and it's the generic portfolio. We see competition from the Far East, companies that have emerged there over the last decade. And it's about advanced technology platforms. We see that the hurdles for entry are not that high. So we have smaller institutions, smaller labs, hospitals entering the market as well, the competition from that side. And then also, obviously, the government with aging population, increasing 
demand for medication, the cost is increasing, and we feel it as a pharma company with this increasing focus on the prices of our products. So this is an important element of our transformation as well, because we want to make sure that we stay competitive. And this means having our workforce focused on making medicine. That is really where we have the biggest impact, where we can make a difference. This is about leveraging technology to increase our productivity, but also, and very important, to reskill and upskill our associates to the new technology and the new environment. So again, that's the second piece and a very important element of our transformation. Yeah. And that the third one to mention here is that we have also a major social responsibility. As a company, as Novartis, we have very ambitious goals when it comes to environmental sustainability. We want to be carbon neutral across the whole value chain. We want to reduce our water consumption by 50%, and we want to reduce our waste by 50%. The manufacturing and supply chain plays a major role. Roughly 80% of the solution will be delivered by our organization. So we work very diligently when it comes to reducing energy, waste, and water to achieve our goals. And our aim is always to first reduce the consumption, and then second, to ensure clean supply. This is valid for our own operations, but also for our suppliers that are a big part of our value chain. So overall, it's a multidimensional transformation. It is key for the company to achieve its goals, that we do it right in manufacturing supply chain. It is along the portfolio and the footprint. It is about new operating model, make sure our organizations focus on making medicine, but it's also about our environment and our planet, making sure we give something back for our society. And within that, this um clearly very complex, uh, multi-dimensional uh, situation that you, you describe. Where do you think um, those advanced technological solutions fit in? What, what types of technology do you think are going to have the most impact in terms of Novartis's uh, transformation? Yeah, so technology, data, digital, I think a lot is said about it, a lot is written about it. Um, my view is actually simple, that before we deploy the newest technology, we have to fix the basics. And we very often talk about Industry 4.0. If I look at pharma, if I look at pharma manufacturing, I think we are to a big extent still in Industry 3.0, which is the automation part. We are just getting into the Industry 4.0 as a whole industry. Now the question is obviously, why is pharma still behind and I think on one hand, it's because it's a highly regulated industry. So every change you make triggers re-documentation, re-registration. So there is some hesitation to make changes. And also historically, pharma has been a high margin business. So the focus was on availability and the quality of the products, but not so much on leveraging technology to be more effective and more efficient. And Comparing to other industries like automotive industry, we see that in pharma, we still have batch processing. Many other industries have continuous manufacturing. We have high manual work. Other industries are much more automated. And also you see it very often, we have post-process quality controls, whereas many other industries have in-process quality controls. Now the good news is it's being addressed. But to, the way to address it, as I said, is to fix the basics. And the basics for me means having a very good understanding first of the processes across the whole value chain, 
So from planning to sourcing, making, releasing, and delivering the products, we have to make sure the processes are smooth, they're harmonized, standardized. The second piece is that we have to have a very good understanding of the data that we produce. And very important as well that we use some sort of the same grammar of the data across the value chain, across the company, so we can make sure the data between departments, between units is um, exchangeable. So that's important. And once we have cracked the process and the data, then we can deploy the right technology to solve the problem. And there's many, I would say, anything is possible in terms of technology. All the technology that we need is available. But before we deploy the technology, we need to understand processes, we need to manage data, and we actually need to define what problem we want to solve before we just put on the technology. Mm. And so finally, I, I wonder if you could look into the future, perhaps, for, for um, farmers' um, technical operations. I wonder, across the industry, how do you see those evolving? And what do you think are going to be the, the really big challenges that, that um, manufacturing and supply chain is going to have to, to face in the future? So the first one is that we will be in a constant change. Because as long as we bring as an industry new products to the market, innovative products to the market, and I hope that's the case forever, we will have to adjust the manufacturing footprint as well. Because as I mentioned before, we have to introduce new technologies, new capabilities, new capacities, and consolidate the traditional ones. So that is something that we'll always do. Then the other piece, which is really important, is to leverage the technology the right possible way. Um, I think as a human body, we have sensors, we have nerves, we have brains, we have arms and legs. And if I look at the pharma manufacturing, the value chain, I hope at some point the value chain works like a human body. The sensors in the body are the sensors we use in the, in the, in the sites, in the manufacturing sites. The nerves that transport, transport the information, IoT that transfers information. The data lakes are the brain where artificial intelligence is applied in sending then signals to the machines and robots to, to execute the action. So I think the high-tech manufacturing is key as well. And then the green manufacturing. As I mentioned, we have a responsibility towards society. We have the solutions in place, but we really need to make sure that they are being deployed across the whole value chain, not only in some companies, but really in all companies, also at our suppliers, to make sure we can reduce the demand for energy, the use of material, and also the water consumption. So if we get all of this right, I'm very confident that we can support the portfolio changes, we can support the new products that need to go to the patients, but we can also have an impact on the planet. That certainly sounds like a, a strong future for uh, pharmaceutical manufacturing and uh, supply chain. But for now, Amit, thank you very much for joining me on the Pharma Forum podcast. Thank you very much. It was great to be here. And that concludes episode 41 of the Pharma Forum podcast and my discussion with Novartis's Amit Nastik. You can find more details of this episode, including a download link for the podcast, and information about other installments in the series at pharmaforum.com forward slash podcast. 
The Farm Forum podcast is also available on iTunes, Spotify, Acast, Stitcher, and Podbean, where you can find and subscribe to it by searching for Farmer Forum. And don't forget to visit our website to sign up for daily or weekly email pharmaceutical news and analysis bulletins, and follow us on Twitter, where we are at Pharma Forum.